Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. As grocery shoppers shift back to brick-and-mortar stores after relying heavily on e-commerce during the pandemic, food and beverage brands are also shifting their advertising from social media to in-store, with many turning to retail media networks to target consumers closer to the point of purchase. According to recent research by McKinsey, the $45 billion U.S. retail media market is surging, with 73% of advertisers saying that they will spend more on RMNs in the next 12 months, and CPG and grocery stakeholders planning to increase their spend with RMNs by 53% in the next year. As a result, the Interactive Advertising Bureau, which has a mission to help media and marketing industries thrive in a digital economy, expects retail media to more than double in the next five years to $107 billion. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Paul Brenner, the Senior Vice President of Retail Media and Partnerships at Vibonomics, a mood media company, explains the appeal of RMNs, including how in-store technology innovations are propelling this transformation and what they can offer compared to other advertising options, including access to consumers who are in a shopping mindset and increasingly difficult to obtain first-party data. So much of the current interest in and recent evolution of the retail media network advertising, and in particular the demand for solutions in-store, comes from CPG companies responding to shifting shopping habits, which Brenner describes as a whipsaw. The retail media market share has just exploded, right? I mean, it's almost unrealistic when you look at it as kind of equivalent to the growth of search and social, right? And now you've got uh, retail media um, quickly approaching, you know, us surpassing linear television, broadcast television, right? Um, So you've got this growing, growing market share. And I think the e-commerce explosion was a way for um, the retail media to kind of maximize what they do with their websites and their app and their CRM, right? Email to to loyal shoppers. Um, It kind of allowed them to take all this money that was this growth money and put it into their high margin business, right? They call it on-site, right? You know, those, the terms. Um, lo and behold, that, that got full, <laughs> right? Uh, or the prices were so high that they just couldn't get enough results to justify it for the for the advertiser, right? So here they are kind of at, a, oh, there's more money coming in. Where do I put it? And so then they add offsite. So now then they go audience extension and they say, okay, let's go deals, do deals with streaming and and Pinterest and all these. And, and that's, you know, our first party data. And okay, now we've got a new place to put more money and ask brands to increase their spend with me. And then that lo and behold, that's a lower margin business. It doesn't help them as much. So now they think, oh, 80% of my sales happens in the store, but 100% of the investments going into on-site, off-site. Maybe I should think about that. So, you know, that's kind of why it's continuing to be a big topic right now is in-store is where to your point, you know, 80% plus up to 90% of the shoppers are, are still visiting store or need to because of your point on, on fees, um, or they just like it, um, you know, be in that environment. So 
we're in a we're in a good place. So the whipsaw has been kind of like almost like a a growth reaction, a, a margin management reaction by the retailers. Um, and then just kind of what do shoppers want is what they're all trying to figure out. Um, I, I don't think any of them really have an answer there. Brenner argues a good starting point for reaching consumers in-store is offering more dynamic multimedia, like audio or in-store screens, and personalized advertising, which can help cut through the clutter imposed by more traditional and static printed advertising materials. Printed materials, not dynamic in nature, um, you know, difficult. You got to plan way ahead, way, way ahead. And then, you know, and then you know, it, it still doesn't you know, diversify throughout the day. And, and, uh, and that's kind of, I guess, in a word I hear a lot from even retailers is it's cluttered. Um, which I, I agree with. And then you kind of look at what does it really take to engage a shopper in the store? You know, we, we, we do, we know audio works cause we, we get good results for advertisers and that's contextual and, you know, targeted to demographic day parts or, or, uh, you know, geographies. And then you've got the kind of where I think retailers are trying to go, which is, how do I bring screens into the mix, declutter, um, provide content that makes people engage with it? Um, you know, just from the, the, I guess, from the aspect of like the physical world engagement, but more importantly, how does that content, whether it's audio or or screens, how does it tie into the omnichannel experience, right? that influence from the search on the website to, you know, audience extension or um, retargeting, um, you know, how does that, how does the interplay work with, if you really have in-store digital assets that can be changed dynamically as dynamically as the other e-commerce formats or, or tactics, that's what they're all trying to figure out. And it's a massive effort. It's, it's a lot of capital, um, it's, it's new teams of people, right? Um, it's a lot of tech stack consideration. So that's kind of where I think 2024 is really a kind of a, a pedal to the metal, figure it out time period. While retail marketing networks are gathering momentum, they still face significant challenges that may deter brands from engaging with in-store advertising. For example, Brenner notes, many brands have outdated ideas of what in-store advertising can be or they're unclear on how to incorporate it into their joint business plans. One is the challenge to education. I think there's such a stigma of what in-store used to be. I mean, was entirely, right? Static, shopper marketing, shelf tags, you know, anything you could think of that was just like, I've got to get with somebody and build this and, you know, coordinate it and put it in the store. I think a lot of the challenge with us is just, helping agencies and brands understand it. No, you can actually do a lot of this stuff programmatically now. Um, so that's kind of one thing. And and that also lends to the argument of what budget has come from. And that can be challenging. And again, just more education. And then the other, the other side of it really that's a challenge is only until like just the release of the IEB retail guide back in uh, July, you know, in-store wasn't really part of the retail media offering. So in most cases, it's outside of the joint business plan or or not even on a scorecard in some cases, right? Even if they don't have a JBP. 
um it just wasn't it, it was always viewed as oh you want in store you just go talk to neptune and they'll take care of it for you it was never part of the retail media network so the challenge i get from the brands a lot is now that they we've educated them they want to do it they still have to get the retail media network to say okay this is this is part of your jvp it's okay you know it's okay to use this money that way um we're starting to see some pretty big some smaller but some bigger retail media networks change that um and i think that's going to really take the gloves off of or the handcuffs i guess off of of the brands that really want to try more you know um, but they're really kind of, they're kind of challenged by the fact that they're not allowed to, um, just because of the way they do the, the deal structures, right. With the, with the RMN slash supplier of the retailer. Retail marketing networks can further amplify the impact of technological innovations in advertising and increase their appeal to brands by layering in their customers' purchase data which Brenner says can help fill the void created when Apple de facto killed identifiers for advertisers that previously allowed brands to understand who clicked on an ad and if that ad led to a purchase. I think the retailer, retail media networks are essentially, you know, frothing at the mouth over the fact that, you know, cookies are going away and IDFA changed and, you know, mobile location IDs are even harder to get. Um, And here they are with an opt-in program right? Um, loyalty card membership and participation that can be as high as 95%, right? Um, and as long as they're careful with that data and safe, they actually have what it takes to do retargeting. Now, it might not be as robust as, say, the intrusive retargeting other people in the past, like up to, you know, the last three or four years. Um, but if it's retargeting to that shopper in the in the store they visit the most inside their loyalty app or their you know their web session uh, or down to you know within the group of people that watch certain shows or or visit certain parts of Pinterest you know that's a common one um, or use other apps like Instacart you know I I think they're probably in the best place of all of that because they don't have to think about it the same way as like a browser-based identity, um, you know, it's, it's, or, or a smartphone identity, um, actually have, a, they have more freedom as long as they're safe with it. And I know I hear it a lot. They're very cautious and thoughtful, but they're in a pretty good spot. So what might an in-store campaign with RMN look like? According to Brenner, they can be as diverse as a selection of products in any given store. But they all usually begin with an assessment of what is available where and how shoppers in that store typically behave. Yeah, you know, let's say we worked with a um, a large cereal brand, breakfast cereal brand, okay? And they have a specific promotion for top three grocer in the country. They had an existing plan, uh, media plan to say, you know, for this period, these three months, we're doing this this massive campaign on, um, you know, a reason why you should eat more cereal, right? And so we we meet with the team, you know, we meet with the the, the retailer, we, we bring the cereal brand in, and they say, you know, here's my here's my media plan, here's my my brand guideline. What would you do for us? And you know, we sit down and we think about things like what are their target demographics you know, which would gear guide things like time of day. Let's say you're looking for, 
you know, households with children under the age of 12 or, you know, um, you know, certain other demographics. We then so we kind of looked at across our landscape and figure out what stores they have. We then, you know, get the UPC, the SKU of the of the product. We verify that it's only sold, it's only going to have advertisement in the stores where the product's on the shelf. Um, and then we build creative that aligns with the overall campaign, but makes it contextual to the to the in-store experience, like guiding people to places in the store, um, using attention grabbing, you know, uh, methods to, to get people to look or listen. Um, and so we just kind of translate what their campaign was into what's it look like when someone's shopping? What's it sound like when someone's shopping? And is it consistent with all the other creative and touch points that you've built into this media plan? Um, and that's really what we we just do it over and over. I mean, I'm giving you one example, but we, you know, hundreds of brands um, that we do this with. Um, and then usually at the end, we'll do some kind of uh, study with them to, to or or they'll just use existing data they get anyway from the retail media networks, at least the more advanced ones, um, to make sure that they can prove the they got a result from it. Brenner recommends that brands and retailers interested in learning more about the potential of RMNs and how best to maximize their impact should download IAB's Retail Media Buyer's Guide, which was published in July, and IAB's Retail Media Measurement Guidelines, published last month, which promises uniformity and credibility in evaluating campaign performance to better optimize investments effectively. With that, we've come to the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you'll join me again for another installment. And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.